Today, I'm going one-on-one with the living legend, Steve Alexander, Dr. A, in our uh, continuing analyst interview series. Let's go balls deep. Welcome to another episode of the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International. FBIBasketball.com is the website. I'm Adam King, the host at Adam King91 on Twitter is where you will find me. Uh, we're continuing our interview series uh, with, with analysts, given the fantasy content has, has wound right down now. Uh, and as I alluded to, I'm joined today by Dr. A, Steve Alexander. Steve, thank you. This is my first show with you, I think. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I appreciate it. I, I don't have a lot going on right now, so this is be good to get, get back in the back in the saddle, back in the podcast podcast saddle. Yeah, no, look, there isn't much uh, going on unless you're into Dynasty. There's a little bit going on in that space, but... Um, not much in terms of redraft fantasy at the moment. So we're rolling through these uh, interviews. We've got about 20 in total um, that will be released over a, probably a two- or three-month period. So uh, good to have you on. The first question um, that I'm sort of asking everyone is basically, I, be, I guess, how did – for you, how did fantasy basketball come about? Was it, was it something that was right out of sort of school and – moved straight into sports and, and journalism, that sort of thing? Or was it something that you sort of fell into a bit later in life? Well, I was, uh, I'm from Indiana and Indiana is the basketball capital of the world. So when I was a kid, uh, I used to go to a lot of Pacer games. A buddy of mine used to go down there and um, one day we saw a kid walking around the arena. There were only like 4,000 people at these games in the, in the early eighties. So, it was a much different environment than it is now. And we saw a kid that had a huge pair of basketball shoes he was carrying around. We asked him, we're like, what are those? And he said, oh, they're Steve Stepanovich's shoes. I'm like, how'd you get them? He's like, I just asked him. I was like, oh. So that gave me the idea that I need to get a pair of shoes from an NBA player. So we started asking players for shoes. And eventually, uh, Lorenzo Romar gave me a pair of shoes after a game. Um, that was the first pair I ever got. I ended up with like 35 pairs of game worn NBA player shoes. When I was a kid, I had Dominique Wilkins. I had, uh, Carl Malone, Clyde Drexler, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Akeem Olajuwon. I, I had some Daryl Dawkins, Mark Aguirre, some real, uh, hall of fame, uh, caliber shoe talent. Uh, under my wing and you know when I was in high school I'd go to class the next day I was like man I got Carl Malone shoes after the game I signed people like, who's that and why are you <laughs> asking people for their shoes you weirdo uh, especially since that was kind of right before Michael Jordan hit and nobody yeah. ever thought of doing such a thing uh, so I was always a, a huge NBA fan and then when I got older um, I started playing fantasy basketball pretty hardcore and also some fantasy football and some fantasy baseball, but basketball was a big one. 
And Rick Kamla had a show on NBA TV. Um, I think it was just called the Fantasy Fantasy Show, and he did it from a set at NBA TV. Um, it was like called the Attic or something. It was like his his bedroom setting, and uh, he would do a live fantasy show every night from like one a.m. to one thirty. And I started calling into that and became a regular caller on that. Um, right around the same time, I was trying to trying to get in with Roto World, and uh, so Rick kind of inspired me with that TV show. I was like, if he can make a living off of talking about fantasy basketball, maybe I can too. So I started bugging Matthew Pouliot had a uh, Roto World, and Matthew Barry was there at the time, and Pouliot eventually was like, "Hey man, if you want to try to write." some game write-ups on Tuesday nights for free, go for it. So I did, and I did that for a while, uh, worked for free. Eventually they gave me a column uh, that I could write. And I think after about two years, I think I was making like, I don't know, 100, 200 bucks a week um, writing some fancy hoops for Roto World. That gave me the idea to quit my real job and try to try to make fantasy sports my job, which I did. Um, I got hired by Roto World sort of on a full-time basis. I was covering golf, basketball, arena league football, um, and just kind of kept my head down and plugged away and was not making very much money. We quit, me and my wife quit our jobs and moved to Georgia. And uh, I had all this free time on my hands. So I did that for a couple of years and then out of the blue, NBC Sports bought Roto World for a bunch of money. And I was able to renegotiate my contract and salary and my position with them. And uh, pretty much was at NBC Sports slash Roto World full time from like 2004 until November of this past year. And then, um, you know, as you said, I'm a living legend in some people's minds when it comes to fantasy <laughs> basketball. Not really my own, but, you know, I, my wife likes to tell people that I'm really famous in a very small circle of fantasy basketball nerds. And uh, so uh, we had some massive layoffs at NBC Sports in November. So I've kind of been, um, you know, trying to fill in the gaps since that happened. Um Currently working for ESPN, uh, did a bunch of work for Rotowire over the uh, end of the season. But now that the summertime is basically here and all, all we've got left is NBA playoffs, just kind of in uh, neutral, kind of figuring out what my next step is until uh, draft season gets here this fall. Yeah, there isn't there isn't a lot to do now. Um, yeah, no, look, it's yeah, obviously yeah, most people would would obviously remember you from Roto World and, and NBC. Um, that's where I I sort of got into fantasy, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, um, but had been an NBA fan since oh, the late 80s, I would say, uh, early 90s, and never got a pair of shoes. So that's, <laughs> yeah. And so, for I mean, having, well, I guess they're, oh, well, they're worn, but having had... A range of shoes myself that I've played in over the 30 years that I've played, they do tend to wear down and and disintegrate a bit. So the the shoes that you got from from sort of the the 80s from those players, Carl Malone and, and Hakeem, have you still got them, or are they are they still together in one piece? 
I have all of them. Um, Carl Malone's, the, the ones that were made out of like nylon parts. Yeah. Those are the ones that are sort of disintegrating. And um, like Carl Malone's shoes that I got from him is rookie season. He didn't have a shoe contract. He actually left them for me in the hotel lobby behind the desk. And I had to go pick them up the next day. But they were all signed to Steve. And they were, they were Akeem Olajuwon, um, Aton- the Atonic Dreams is what those shoes were. Those are not, not in the greatest shape. But like here's a... Here's Dominique's, okay. and it's they the Converse, good. Yeah. Converse All-Star. It's, it says Dominique on the side of it, and he's, he signed it. I've got I've got the other one here somewhere, but uh, the leather Converse-type ones held up really well, and they're, yeah. still, they're still good to go. But some of the nylon ones, like Isaiah Thomas's, and, and I haven't really taken as good a care of them as I should. I In my Indianapolis house, I had a shelf built up high around my pool table room in my basement. Uh, I had them all displayed there and it was, it, they, they looked really good up there and they were taken care of. But then when we moved to Georgia, they all kind of got thrown into a box and a, and a bag, a couple boxes and a couple bags. And uh, they sat there for a long time uh, in a closet. So I just recently have gotten them back out and they're, they're all still salvageable. Like you can tell whose they are and, and you know, yeah. three quarters of them are in good shape. I'm, I'm sure the collection is worth a ton of money, but um, you got to find the right person that would want to buy it. You got to find um, someone to, you know, val- validate that they're real um, without charging you more than they're worth, which is hard to do. So, yeah. and I always told the players when they gave them to me, I'm like, I'm, I'll never sell these. I'm going to hang on to them for the rest of my life. And I've sort of done that, but you know, on top of the shoes, I mean, I've got a, a nice little museum in my office here. I mean, I've got, Sports Illustrated's cover covers uh, signed by Michael Jordan, Dr. J, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and all, all that. Um, some Tiger Woods stuff, some jerseys. I've, I've got a nice little, nice little museum in my my attic here. Yeah, nice. Gee, one of the benefits of living over there, God. And, and I guess, as you said, like today, there's so many people in the arena when you go to a game that the chances of being able to just go and ask a player for his shoes are pretty limited. Um, well, very, you can't even you can't even talk to players today. Like no. it's it's very like it's it's so different now. Like then I would just sit at the hotel and wait for them to come off the elevator, and there were like three of us there, and we would all be able to talk to Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and yeah. Dominique and whoever, and it was no big deal. And then to to get the shoes after the game, we just waited outside the locker room, and they would walk yeah. right out to us and hand us the shoes. Like it was there was. It, it was very weird. There were no, there was no security back then. No, much. Simpler. And now you can't even get close. Like, try to get close to Trey Young or Luca. You just, you just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, fantasy has taken up a lot of space in your life for the last 20, 30 years. Um, your kids are older now, um, so a little bit different. A lot of the analysts I've had on have got four-year-olds, six-year-olds, so their life and outside their work time is taken up with with kids and, and that sort of thing. For you, I, I know that you love golf and living where you live, you would, you're close to where the Masters are played, I'm assuming? Yeah, I went to the Masters last year in 2022. Yeah. I went to a prior, I went to a Wednesday practice round, so that was my first trip uh, to Augusta, which 
was rain shortened and the weather wasn't great, uh, but it was still awesome just to be there and get, get to see it. My neighbor had a ticket and I got to go for free. So that was, that was pretty cool. And then I know people who have tickets. So, um, I, I I'll get to go again at some point, I assume, um, which if I didn't live in Georgia, that would not be the case. So, um, no. that's kind of, that's kind of cool. And uh, you're right. I do play a lot of golf. Uh, you'd think I'd be getting better at it by now, but, um, <laughs> I play a lot of golf. I played a big tournament, uh, a master's type of tournament at the club I play at on Saturday. And, uh, me and my buddy, we finished fourth in that. So that was, that was fun. But, um, yeah, I like to play golf. Yeah. And, and is that something that's been uh, sort of a, a a passion that's come about later in life or something that's been there forever, like since you were young? Yeah, I, I learned how to play when I was a kid from my dad. And uh, I played on my high school golf team uh, when <laughs> that was the most nerd thing you could do. So I was collecting <laughs> shoes and playing golf when when golf was not cool. And, uh, you know, then Tiger came along and changed everything. But I also played my freshman year at college uh, – small school in Indiana called Hanover college. Uh, but even the small schools today, um, their golf teams are really good. And these guys that play on these golf teams, like spend their whole, their whole life preparing to do that. And we, we were more just going out and goofing around and playing golf. Um, but it's, it's, it's all a business now. And it, it really wasn't yeah. like that back then. No, no golf is, I feel, I mean, it's something that I love playing. I just don't get the time to play it that I would like at the moment. But it is something that after having my knee reconstruction and being um, having my wife tell me that basketball is now not an option for me because <laughs> she doesn't want me to do it again, uh, golf is probably the path that I'll be heading down. Although I'm sure nowhere near as good as you if you're getting fourth in any tournament that's going to be a lot better than i (laughs) well the thing the thing that happened to me is i I was playing a lot and in the in the mid 90s i got really good but in the mid 90s is when we sort of started having kids yeah so we had the first kid it was no big deal i could still go play as much as i wanted and i I was winning tournaments and getting hole in ones and i might think my handicap was like a seven um and I, i was a pretty good golfer and then by the time the third kid got here, it was sort of like no more golf. That's it. And then as the kids got older, they were playing their own sports. So every weekend we were driving around, you know, to yep. football or baseball or whatever. And uh, I just quit, literally quit playing golf for like 15 years. And then my son decided he was done playing baseball because he, he wasn't as big as the other kids were. And he was starting to get scared of these guys throwing 90 miles an hour at his head. And he's like, I'm done. I'm I'm retiring from sports. And when when he did that a couple of years ago, that's really right around the time of COVID uh, is really when I started playing golf again. So I'm sort of relearning how to play. My body is way different than it was when I was playing before. Uh, I'm way fatter. I'm way older. And so it's been a struggle just to, to relearn how to play the game. So my advice would be if you do play golf, don't quit for 15 or 20 years and then try to pick it up again because you'll lose it all. Yeah. I think that's sort of where I am now. I need to, yeah, if I leave it much longer, then it's going to be really hard. Um, so, so yeah, so golf is, is big. Um, you mentioned to me that you host some trivia. So that's obviously something else that, that you enjoy doing. Um, much the same. I host trivia nights here 
from time to time i get asked through through work and through friends to host trivia nights um any other so i guess i mean you've said golf you've said basketball any other sports that really uh, are of particular interest or are you just a an all sports kind of anything on tv anything i can watch you know when i was a kid i would say um baseball was and basketball were probably my two favorites and then you know in the early well when when the nfl got big i became a huge nfl fan and then i've kind of reverted back to me in baseball i think baseball is sort of an old guys game like we can handle sitting there and watching a, a three-hour <laughs> baseball game uh where a lot of younger people struggle with that but um whatever i'm whatever i'm playing fantasy about i'll watch like i played hockey for a little while i'm not a big hockey guy but i can do it i've played fantasy golf i always have a, a football baseball and basketball team well i have multiple tons of basketball teams but i've always got uh, a couple of baseballs and a couple of footballs so those are the those are the big ones um i'll sit and watch golf especially the majors and if it's something i care about but um I also don't need to be in front of the TV watching sports as much as I used to be either. Um, you know, we I've been doing this so long that, you know, that Hawks game when they were down 30 at halftime the other day, I, I live close to where the Hawks play. And um, I, I would call myself a Hawks fan, but I, I just, I was, I had other things going on. I was, I had it on, it, it was on in the background of the, you know, where I was hanging out and I was like, Oh good. They're down 30. That's great. So, uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not as diehard as I used to be. No, no, I think that's fair enough. Um, on, so on to TV, cause I love watching TV just in general movies, sport, um, and something that I did watch, which, which does well links into your, your interest for golf was the show on Netflix. I think it was called full swing. Full maybe swing, yeah. it was the, um, was, did you, did you actually watch that show? Yeah, I've seen uh, season one of the Formula One show. I didn't, I didn't do the second one. I liked it, but I, I wasn't like, oh, I have to. I'm totally invested in this. Uh, the full swing, I thought was really interesting because you know I, I knew a lot of those players and uh, some of those storylines are really cool. Like the guy who who didn't doesn't care that much. He's just out there like trying to survive, and like that was really cool. And and it was cool seeing Justin. Uh, Thomas and, and Jordan Spieth goofing around on the airplane and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And the, the Kepka stuff was, was good. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that show. Um, and speaking of Netflix, my son who is 15 years old, just discovered arrested development um, on Netflix <laughs> recently. So and my wife and I watched that show religiously when it was, when it was on for its first original run so having him have that queued up all the time and, and playing is kind of fun uh, to go back and and see that. And it, that was such a great show. I don't know if you've ever watched that, but that's it's one of my all time favorites. And of course, all my kids have gone through the the office, yeah. um, the office seasons like over and over and over again. Like they're just, the office is always on at my house for some reason. Yeah, I tend to have. There's a few shows that I just tend to have on. I like to have a sitcom on the go at all times. If I've got nothing to watch or nothing to do, I can just watch. Okay, I'm up to here. I'll keep watching. The Office is one of those um, that I'll just watch over and over again. Uh, haven't 
my kids aren't really into that one yet. I'm trying really hard to get them into Seinfeld, um, which they are slowly. If it's on now, they'll sit and, and watch it. And I don't know whether they're laughing at the show or laughing at me laughing, but <laughs> either way, we're doing something together. Um, and yeah, Arrested Development, I did. Uh, I have watched that show, so I do. <laughs> I, I can uh, understand why it's on and why your kids are getting into it because it's another the thing one. the thing with seinfeld is it almost feels like it's not holding up as well as some of these other ones and then again it's older than all the other ones but yeah like i don't i i know my kids have sat down and tried to watch seinfeld and they're like eh, i'm just gonna watch the office instead i don't they they, yeah. they don't relate to it as much for whatever reason i don't i don't know what it is i do i do watch it now and, and i mean it came out in the late 80s so it's it's very old and and i watch a lot of the content and the stuff they say is very inappropriate it would not hold up today um where i think the office uh arrested development they they're all shows that have come out in the last sort of 15 years so a little bit more i much prefer watching curb your enthusiasm to seinfeld at this point like uh, I, yeah. I sit and watch larry david all day i've been told that i um i am larry david uh <laughs> Which is, I don't think that's a compliment, but uh, I do see some of what people are talking about. Because, you know, if you're doing a bad job of driving in front of me, or if you don't know how to park a car, or if you cut in front of me at a buffet line, like, I'm I'm not just going to stand there and take it, man. <laughs> no, and we need those people in the world, because we need to let those people think, no, the, the ones that think they can get away with those things that maybe right, we can't. Right. So, um in terms of, uh, I mean, a few analysts that I've spoken to have have a, a a pretty detailed answer to this. Some not so much. Is travel something that you've done a lot of, sort of over the course of your life, either within America or outside, just international travel? Uh, my wife and I worked for a travel company in the '90s um, before I was doing a ton of fantasy stuff, and we've traveled all the time because we got free vacations. So. Mm. Uh, it's mostly in the country, some Mexico, um, but we go to San Francisco, we'd go to Cancun, we'd go to Williamsburg, Virginia, we'd go to just wherever. Um, and we used to travel a lot and we took our kids on a lot of really cool trips when they were too young to remember them. So now that they're older and they would really enjoy these trips that we used to take, we don't really go anywhere. But <laughs> uh, my wife's family's all in Florida for the most part. So we do. We usually do spring break in Florida, um, usually down in Naples or Fort Myers. And uh, we did not go this year, but we had like a family reunion thing uh, here in Georgia where we brought a bunch of people in, which I'm never doing that again. Uh, either. But uh, yeah, we like to go to Florida, I guess would be the answer. And so from, I don't know the distances very well over there, but from, from where you are to Florida, how, how far is that? Is that, a, is that a drive or is that a fly? For most people, it's a fly, but we we drive everywhere. Because we, we have four kids, so when they were little, it was too expensive to try to fly anywhere, so we would just always load up the old family truckster and, and drive across country. Um, I think it's about, I don't know, to get from here to where we were going in Florida, it was usually about 15 hours. Okay. And I, and I can get in the car and drive. Like I would just always drive straight through. This is kind of funny. When um, when I worked for NBC, they were owned by Universal, and I would get free tickets to the Universal theme park every year. 
four tickets for one day. And my wife was always like, we're not letting those go to waste. We're going. So we would leave here. Like <laughs> we'd go to my kid's basketball game on Saturday at 11 a.m., get in the car at noon and drive straight to Orlando, go to bed in a hotel in Orlando and then get up in the morning at the crack of dawn and hit as many parks and as many rides and as many everything as we could until like 10 o'clock at night. And then we get back in the car and drive right back home. <laughs> it's like a, you know, eight to 10 hour drive of just insanity. And uh, sometimes we finish the day at the, at the uh, water park and we'd all get in the car soaking wet and drive home wet and cold. Uh, we were pretty crazy. But it was fun. Well, well you got to use the ticket, free tickets. You got to use them. So. No, those tickets are not. They were not <laughs> going to waste. I'll tell you that. No. Um. So the the final question, which is, I don't know, you may have some thoughts, you may not, but looking ahead to next season, uh, which is, is still a while away, and we don't even know the draft order yet, but Victor Wembanyama is obviously a a player that's causing a lot of uh, discussion or, or the a hot topic in, in fantasy circles for you. This is a sort of a two part question. If you were drafting sort of, if you had to look at, think ahead now to, to next season, the first part is where would you be comfortable taking him in a draft? Second part is where do you think his ADP will sort of fall? So based on the hype and based on what, what people are saying and, and past players, where do you think he ends up going in most drafts? Yeah, well, the hype's been going for a year now. So, I mean, it, it is possibly the most hyped uh, rookie that we've ever seen, even more so than LeBron James was, and I didn't know that that was possible. Um, and I've been on the Victor Wimbanyama train for a long time. I mean, I watched the, the highlights. And, you know, once I started hearing about him, I started checking him out. Like, this kid's real. He's kind of skinny. Makes me nervous, but he's real. And... uh you know, I um, one of my dynasty leagues I was in, I, I had Chet Holmgren, and I did the full tank, tank for Wimby. Wimby and I, I don't think I was successful. I think I finished second or third to last. I think Kamla actually finished uh, worse than I did, and he's going he's gonna to get Victor Wembanyama. So kind of bummed out about that. But um, I think I wrote – I was writing about Wembanyama uh, at – Rotowire, you know, a couple weeks ago. And I think I said he's probably going to go no later than round three, I'm thinking, uh, in most leagues. And I, even though I'm a guy that doesn't draft rookies in fantasy early, usually, I might take him at the end of, of the second half of round two. Um, I, I just want to have him on one of my teams. And that's kind of been my Luca thing is I just want Luca on my team. I don't really care where I have to, to draft him at. And I, I think I'm, I may be sort of that way with women Yama, although I think most people are going to be that way with him. So it, it's a different animal because not everybody felt like they needed to have Luca on their team from the get go. Uh, and some people still hate his free throw percentage and turnovers. So. Oh, they do. Yeah. Look, I know, um, Alex Reclean and I have both put out our ranks already for next season because we've got nothing better to do. And I think we've both got Luca in the top three for next season. So um, I know for me, the free throw, well, the turnovers I don't care about. Um, and the free throws, as frustrating as they are, um, 
we've seen improvement and he can he can be an 80 82 83% shooter he just has those random games where he goes 6 of 11 for no real reason whether he's just tired I don't know um Wembenyama I think I had him uh in my ranks in a, in the mid 30s so sort of towards the end of the third round uh but much like you I mean that the hype is is real there so I think he's going to be going uh second round in a lot of drafts um and I also like you will I want him on our team somewhere so I will probably reach into that second round to get him in at least one league because I just think he's going to be really fun. Well, uh, and I think the question comes down. The question comes down to: Are there going to be guys reaching into? You know, they got the tenth, eleventh, or twelfth pick. Yeah, and they're like, well, I mean, are are they going to take him there? And and I, and if not, they're they're going to take him at, at you know on the turn on the way back in the early round too. So I think yeah. where we think he should go and where he's actually going to go are probably <laughs> going to be two different things because I think there's going to be one guy in almost every league that doesn't really care and it's just like I don't care. I'm getting him on my team and I'll take him at the end of the first round. So um, I don't think I would use a first round pick on Wimbenyama, but who knows, man? If he plays summer league and he plays preseason and things are going as we think they might be, anything's possible. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I do think, I do think in a lot of leagues he will go in the first round. As you said, on the back end there, because if someone, if you can get him at pick eleven and then pair him up with, with sort of a surefire player, someone who who's sort of locked in to play 65, 70 games, and, and you know what they're going to do, then why not take a chance? Um, and I think it, I think it'll also um, make a difference as to where he ends up, like who, yeah. which team is he on. Um, you know, is there goes, a, do you have a preference, like in terms of like fantasy reality? Is there is there a team that you would prefer to see him on? Not really. I mean, I'd like to see him in Indiana or Dallas <laughs> for selfish <laughs> reasons because those are those are my other two teams besides the Hawks. But uh, you know, I mean, odds are it's going to be Charlotte, Houston, or San Antonio, just because that's what the odds are. Or Detroit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Probably be one of those four, but we've seen the lottery not really do what it's supposed to do in the past, and and somebody might get lucky and get Wembenyama, you know, later than that, um, which would be very interesting as well. Um, I mean, not later than that, but somebody who shouldn't get the number one pick could get the number yeah. one pick. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm excited to see where he goes, and I mean, I think he's going to be good no matter where he goes. So. Um, yeah, that that dynasty league you were referring to is the the dynasty thirty league that um, that Matt Lawson set up, and you, uh, yeah, you're right. Rick Rick Camler got uh, finished thirtieth. You finished twenty eighth. So um, I was thirtieth for like the first half of the year, and then I don't know if Camler stopped setting his lineup altogether. <laughs> I need to research. I need to look into that. We might have to have a uh, might have to have an inquiry uh, to see if that was legal or not. But no, nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm looking at his. Yeah, I mean, I can't see. I can't see what he did for the for the season. I mean, he hasn't got any players there that. Well, he's got Carmelo Anthony on his squad for some reason. <laughs> every time, every time I looked at his lineup, I was hoping to see a bunch of guys that weren't even in the league. Uh, but he was playing guys that were that were playing a little bit. So I think he just he had worse worse 
bad players than I did somehow. Yeah, yeah, no, it's that was my first ever dynasty league, so it was certainly a learning curve for me. And so um, now I don't, I don't even get Scooter because I get the third pick, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how the lottery works in that league, but I have a feeling um, it it mirrors the actual NBA draft. So, so he. Oh, so you don't think you don't think Camley automatically gets the number one pick? No, no, no. I th- I think, and and don't quote me, but I think he is basically Detroit, and you are or what, Houston. <laughs> I think with the third worst. So whatever happens in the actual NBA is what will happen in our league. So if Houston get the last pick, the first pick, you would get the first pick. Okay, um, but I think um, and I think in the NBA, it's the bottom three all have the same it odds is. of getting getting yep. them no more picks. So. Maybe I did. Yep. I tanked just fine. I got a bottom three. I didn't know that. You just you just changed my whole outlook on that draft. <laughs> yeah, as I said, don't quote me on that, but I I do have a feeling that's that's how it works. So it's not just if you finish last, you get the first pick. I don't think it's that simple. That so, would make sense. That would make sense. Yep. Uh, so we'll we'll end it there. Um, on in terms of, I mean, I know there isn't much content, but looking ahead to next season, because you were obviously with the the whole the whole NBC thing happened in more mid during the season, so yeah. you had to sort of adapt on the fly, and you went ESPN RotoWire. Looking into next season, have you got plans in place yet, or will it sort of just be a wait and see what happens? No, I mean, I, you're right because they. The, the NBC thing happened in November. Um, so at that point, everybody who does what I do and what we do already had their budget and their staff and everything set. I felt very grateful and thankful to get uh, foot in the door with ESPN and RotoWire. Did some fun stuff for both of them. I'm still doing ESPN, um, you know, the daily notes, uh, betting previews and whatnot for for these nba games um and i've made some good contacts at both places so i'm just hoping um i'm hoping fingers crossed it's something more full-time can come out of that but i'm i'm gonna be banging on some some yahoo and some uh cbs and whoever else uh between now and then but it, i i doubt anybody's really seriously thinking about putting together their team for next year until after these no after the playoffs and everything is over. So, um, yeah, but it would be great if someone just hit me up on Twitter and was like, Hey man, <laughs> come on, let's do it next year. That would be, that would be awesome. But, uh, yep. we'll see what happens every, you know, it, that's, that's the funny thing about when this happened is on my Twitter, when I said goodbye NBC or whatever, you know, I got like a thousand people on there. Like you're the goat. There's you know, somebody's definitely going to bring you on next year. No worries. But, if you're sitting where I'm sitting, you know, it, it's not that easy. It's like, uh, yeah. hopefully something happens, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like there, there, there's stuff around. I mean, as you, you, you already sort of got your foot in the door there. There is stuff around. I, I think uh, not, I mean, this isn't a full-time thing for me, but talking to a lot of analysts, that, that is that the challenge is not finding the work. It's trying, finding the full-time work. That's, that's what the issue can be. So, well, um, I was in NBC for so long. The pay, my pay was really, really good. My benefits were really, really good. So, yeah. I mean, trying to get back to where I was is going to be really difficult. Uh, and I don't, yeah. I don't expect that to happen. But, 
being able to stay in this and, and be a full-time fantasy analyst, um, you know, hopefully that's, that's not too big of an ask. Well, let's hope so. Yes. Uh, all right. So, yeah, look, thanks for coming on. Um, that will do it for the show today. Uh, you can check out all of our content. Uh, FBIBasketball.com uh, is the website, as I said. Um, our, my player ranks are up already. Uh, I'll be sort of updating them every week or two. Uh, Matt Lawson has a ton of Dynasty stuff coming out. A new Dynasty podcast is about to launch uh, as well. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Give us a thumbs up, like us, uh, like and subscribe. We're, we're slowly building um, our audience and, and building towards a really good season next season. So until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.